Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man. Hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, well, I. Man, I have to cast some doubt on that that song world is trying to get it together trying to help their fellow man hoping we can make it better do you really think we can wow what a different world it just seems like in a few weeks it's turned completely around no we're not going to make it any better for me I want it better for me but not for anybody else Help my fellow man? Who is that? No, it's it's just us. All the people like me. Those are the people I'm going to help. Whew, man. Welcome, everybody, on Blog Talk Radio. It's Tuesday night, and your guest tonight is... John Fisher. Your host tonight is John Fisher. So it's me, you guys. And uh, I got something pretty good planned for you. So don't go away. Um, I love our guests. And, of course, that's the main, one of the main reasons we have the show is for our guests. Tonight, maybe, you know, perhaps in light of of all these changes and what's going on around us, I thought I'd I thought I'd share some insights from none other than the Sermon on the Mount, the most upside down teaching uh, I believe in existence anywhere. The Sermon on the Mount turns the whole apple cart, upsets it all, turns everything on its head. To tell you the truth, that's why I love it so much, and that's why I know it's true. I mean, who would have come up with this? Who but God, in the form of his son Jesus, would have come up with this for his landmark sermon? So, uh, I thought of it because it's so opposite to the mood, the prevailing mood that's going on in culture. I mentioned it today, the last couple of days in the catches we've been talking about this, that the worldly power works from top down. You have the strong hand up on top and pushing down on the people. The kingdom of God works from the bottom up. Jesus Jesus came to serve. So come in power on a white horse with all sorts of wealth and impressive 
display. No, he's born in a manger. No one knew he, no one even knew it except a few hundred thousand angels and a handful of shepherds. And he grows up in a poor village and he ministers to a bunch of motley people. And uh, when he's getting ready to leave and tell them how to do it, he gets down on his feet and he starts washing his disciples' feet and says, follow my example. This is the way you're going to change the world. You're going to get down and wash people's feet. Can you imagine Donald Trump washing your feet? I don't think so. Jesus would wash your feet. That's the way he does it. So, you see, it's completely different. Power under, not power over. And so the truth is always not what you expect. In fact, before we start, oh, you know what? Before I get any farther, if you are listening to us live, you can call in. You know, we we don't do this very often because, to tell you the truth, normally when I have a guest, we only have 30 minutes and that goes by so fast. And and uh, I want you to hear from the guest. But today, without a guest, with me as being the guest, if you want to call, I will, I would welcome your call. And uh, I'll stop whatever I'm doing and take the call. And we'll go with whatever you might want to uh, talk about. Hopefully... It's going to be somewhere along the lines of what what I'm talking about, and you know we can uh, we can keep the conversation going. But if you do want to call in, the number to call is area code six four six. Get this down: six four six seven one six five seven two one. If you are if you got your computer open, which you probably had to do to get here, the number should be right there: six four six. 716-5721. So welcome a call um, uh, if you'd like to do that. Before I get into uh, Sermon on the Mount, however, I want to read just one paragraph out of the first letter to the Corinthians because I think this is a, a fitting introduction to what the Sermon on the Mount does in terms of truth. Listen to this. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. (laughs) What an amazing statement of truth. 
God purposely has set it up this way. He's taken the foolish things, the weak things, to confound the wise, the poor things to confound the wealthy. God's truth is backwards to worldly truth. And so that's why when we're hearing a whole lot of worldly truth coming out of uh, politics in so many other places now in our country, once it's all been let loose, uh, we need to remember where the real truth lies. And it isn't what you think. So here we go. This is what, you want to know what God blesses? God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. I'm reading out of the um, New Living Translation, which is really a comfortable read. And uh, some, most of it I like. Some of it, it's a little off, but I like it. And I like, I like the way it sets this up. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Jesus, uh, the other, most, most of the translations say poor in spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. Poor in spirit. But... Uh, what it means to be poor in spirit is to be spiritually impoverished and it really is to recognize your need for him. So you start off with the initial blessing, the initial way into the things of the kingdom of God come through our own need of him. They come through our own poverty. Here at uh, The Catch, we talk a lot about grace turned outward. And grace is an amazing thing. It is God's gift to us. It's his grace and favor bestowed on us. Nothing, absolutely nothing we can do to deserve it. As a matter of fact, In order to receive it, you have to realize that you need it. That's why God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. The thing that will keep you out of heaven is not thinking that you really need any help. The thing that will keep you away from God is thinking that you have what it takes. Or just give me a little more time. I'll get it together here. The way to come into a relationship with God is to realize your great need for him, and that qualifies you then for his grace. Grace has to come through that doorway. It's, it's the doorway of need, of, of an impoverished soul 
you don't get grace by just putting a quarter into a vending machine and checking out on checking out a little bit of grace on Sunday morning. Put a little bit in the offering plate and then you'll get some grace. You get grace when you get low. When when you realize that you're you're no better you are no better than the worst worst person around. That's when you're ready for the grace of God. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Ah, that's good news. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who mourn. Why would you mourn? Well, plenty of reasons. You you would mourn because your life isn't working out the way you want it to. You would mourn because you lost a loved one or a marriage. You would mourn because you got in an accident or you hurt yourself or you got a disease. All those things cause, cause us to mourn. But I think there's one thing that implied here that we all have. And that comes from the first one, from realizing my need of him I believe that we we mourn over our failures. We mourn over our sin. We mourn over our selfishness. We, we mourn, blessed are those who mourn when we see what it does to people. It breaks us. We're really talking about brokenness here. It's a requirement. For spiritual growth, you can't you can't be great in the kingdom of God without be bro- being broken. And when you're broken, when you see your sin, when you when you see the ugliness of yourself, that's when you mourn bitterly, and that's when actually Jesus says you are blessed because. He will comfort you. He will come and comfort you. The rooster crow three times. After the third time he denied Christ, it says he went out and wept bitterly. He mourned his sin, his weakness, his lack of courage, his betrayal, his denial. His lily-livered heart, he just wept. Well, you know, good for him. Because in that, he was comforted. And in that, he was blessed. If he hadn't done that, if he had justified himself, if he had rationalized his denial, he never would have been blessed. 
when you mourn over your sin, over what your life has done to other people, what you've cost people. And that's a good thing because you will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, verse 5. We're in Matthew 5, by the way. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. (laughs) Well, this humility... should be pretty obvious by now because we've got a person here who is poor and realizes their need. We have a person who is mourned over their life. By that time, you've got a person who's humble. Have to be. You have to be humble by then. You can't, you can't, be blessed because you needed him and mourn over how much you screwed up and then just walk off and be proud. It doesn't work that. It doesn't work that. You have to be humble. Life humbles us. Our experiences humble us. Humility isn't some kind of false walking around beating yourself up. There's been a down through history a lot of really poor things people did to themselves, uh, trying to make themselves humble. No, you don't. You don't make yourself humble. You are humbled by life, and you are humbled by the truth. Mostly by facing the truth about yourself. That will ultimately humble you. So the only way you wouldn't be humble is if you weren't really looking honestly at yourself. You had a false pretense, a false idea about who you are. That is what makes you proud. But when you're ready to be stripped of that, to lose all of the stuff on the external that you trusted in, and just be stripped bare with your naked self. That's when you become humble. Because you realize that whatever you have of value comes from God. It doesn't come from any other source. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. (laughs) You get the whole enchilada man how does that work I don't know but that's God's economy and see I think eternity is God's going to be handing out planets and galaxies who knows countries universes to rule he's going to hand them out to us but it will be because we've been humbled here by life so that when we get in charge of someone else's life we will be sensitive 
to that person. We'll understand them. We'll love them and care for them because we've been through it too. Which is really amazing when you think that that's exactly what God has done. He has humbled himself in the form of Jesus and taken part in our lives. And so he understands us. He has compassion on us. He knows, he remembers, scripture says he remembers that we are dust. God knows that. He's not surprised. But he had to be humbled to know that. And so you and I have to be humbled too. So that then when we get our crown and we get our world and we get a chance to rule, we will know how to do it. We won't, we won't rule over people. We will rule under people the way Jesus did it. Because we will know ourselves. We'll know how we came by the truth. And it was through our own need and our, humil- and our humbleness. So it's not... Humble is simply agreeing with God about yourself and staying there. Humility is not some kind of spiritual discipline that you force yourself to do. That is not humility. Humility is the real thing that happens in each one of us when we see ourselves as we really are and throw ourselves on the mercy of God. Okay? That's when you hear the whole earth, the whole enchilada. Verse 6, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or they will be satisfied. Now, I really like that because most tra- translations say hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I, I don't know. I have a hard time with the word righteousness because it just almost, it always sounds so goody two-shoes. I, I have righteousness and you don't. Righteousness, of course, isn't that. But there's something about the word that makes me feel that way. And that's why I like this this version here that changes it to justice. In other words, there must have been enough uh, in the original language to warrant a change in that word and to put justice down. That means somebody really sweated nickels over this to make sure it was okay. And I think, because I think justice is is truly missing in our societies today. Almost more than ever before. Because what, what is justice? Justice is evenness. It's equality. It's treating everybody with respect. It's everybody gets the same shot. 
That's what justice is. Injustice is the wealthy people over here, they get protected, they get more. And the poor people over here, they get less. That's injustice. Justice is that the people who have more share with those who have nothing so that things even out. In the the Hebrew culture, in the time of the children of Israel, they were agrarian culture. They depended on the on the land and the produce. So they almost all, all landowners had, had fields that they cultivated and grew the way they, they got along. Cultivating their field, part of the law, part of the, the, the Jewish law, is to leave the corners of the field for the poor. In other words, is maybe this is the first actual uh, circular cultivation. You've got a square field, but you're going to only cultivate a circle and you're going to leave the corners. Why? Because the corners are for the poor people so that they can have something too. That's justice. That's a justice that's built into the whole system. And God built it that way because God cared about the poor and he wanted to make sure that they got something and so he commanded it to be done this way that's the heart of God the heart of God is so loving and beautiful and caring and compassionate that's the heart of God God isn't mean He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And so God, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. They want to see it. We need, as Christians today, to be hungering and thirsting for justice in this country because we're not getting it. Immigrants aren't getting justice. People of color, women, if you're going to follow Christ, you need to hunger and thirst for justice. And if you hunger and thirst for it and you live in a country in which you can vote and you, you, there are politics and you can, you can influence that, well, then you need to get in there and influence it however you can. Vote for the candidate that will be the most just, among other things. That That's what that means. If you're hungry and thirsting for it, you're going to try and do whatever you can do to ensure that it happens. And this I, part I love of it, for they will be satisfied. Those who hunger and thirst after justice will be satisfied. Yeah, the bad guys are going to really get it in the end. When we see injustice, it's 
it's really hard on on us. And the the thing you need to remember, eventually, God's justice will prevail, and those who hunger and thirst for it will be satisfied. Okay, we got time for one more. And this is really grace turned outward. Blessed, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I know this sounds kind of like cause and effect, which is almost legalism. It's like, well, I'm going to be merciful, and so then then I'll receive mercy as a product of that. I, I don't believe that's the way this is set up. I believe what this is saying is that these go hand in hand. And that's what grace turned outward is. You you will have mercy. You will show mercy if you have mercy. If If you do not apply God's mercy in your life, or you never heard about it, you don't know anything about it, well, then you're probably not going to be showing it to anybody either. Because you have to know it to show it. And so when we realize God's mercy, and mercy is basically getting let off the hook. Mercy is God saying, you deserve death, but I'm going to give you life instead. I'm not going to walk you to the plank. I'm going to do something else for you. True, we all, you know, will, will eventually die, but we have the mercy of God towards everlasting life. That's where the mercy comes in. God blesses those who are merciful. They will be shown mercy. Blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. This is integrity. This is inner truth and outer reality. They're the same. This is the person who's the same on the outside as on the inside. Hard to do, my friends. Very hard to do. Especially in your, when you're in the spotlight. Because we are so tempted to put our best foot forward. Believe me, I know of what I speak. But you can't be on the outside something that isn't on the inside. You can do it a little bit for a little while, but sooner or later, the rotten person that you are comes comes. We have to. We find out what you were really made of. Pure in heart, they're pure all the way through. It starts in the heart and it works itself out into the life. And they will, they will seek up. 
I believe not only see God someday, but I believe now. When I have a pure walk with a pure heart and with integrity, I can see God in this life. I can see what he's up to. I think that's what the passage is saying. And then finally, I love this. God blesses those who work for peace, but they will be called children of God. Our society right now needs you. Because you are a follower of Christ. You understand grace turned outward. And our society needs people like that. We need those who will work for peace. Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. That means you have a calming effect on a volatile situation. You try to make peace. So there you have, well, at least the first few of them. We're out of time. I can't go any farther. But uh, look at how different that is from a haughty-spirited trampling kind of uh, leadership or even kind of, quote, spirituality. It isn't spirituality at all. Now, this is humble, grateful, merciful, because it's been shown mercy, so it reaches out with mercy. Those who are poor and realize it, those who mourn, it's all backwards, and it's really all wonderful, isn't it? It's fantastic. Because we know this has to be of God, because none of us could have ever thought of this. Your word contrasts our culture so much, especially right now in this day and age. Show us how to feel and how to think. Give us a, maybe contrast the prevailing mood. May it be so obvious that we are different because we are following you. Thank you for the privilege of following you and of making a difference. And I pray that that you would make that possible for all of us. I ask this in your name. Amen. Write us. Tell us what happens when you apply any of these things. When you try to make peace out of humility and not out of pride. When you give mercy to someone who should be punished. Write us and tell us what happens when you act that out. You make a different world. The world is trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow man where we are, hoping we can make it better. Well, we can't. Only in and through Jesus Christ. 
God bless you guys. Next Blog Talk Radio, we have returning Rob Stutzman, who is from Sacramento, works with many politicians up there, was as a Republican, a leader of, of Republican media, was running his own Stop Trump campaign. Really anxious to hear what he has to say about things and about elections and about being a Christian in the middle of all that. It'll be fascinating. You don't want to miss next week. Thanks for joining me. And uh, I hope you have a great week. Contrast those around you. Have fun being different. Stick out like a sword knot. Just don't.